Um, tonight, I have a really special treat. Actually, this person is an incredible speaker. So good that we invited her to be our retreat speaker last semester, and she pretty much killed it. Um, it was an awesome time. So many lives were transformed by the messages. I mean, God really used her powerfully. Um, I've gotten a chance to know her even before she started this pastoral journey. And uh, God has really transformed her life. Um, I don't know if she's going to share her testimony today, but even if she doesn't, uh, I would suggest you guys, um, if she can hang out with us after, you ask her, what's your testimony? And uh, it'll blow you away. I mean, God truly truly transformed her life and uh, talk about turning darkness into light. She's got that kind of story. And so I'm really excited um, to have her here with us. Obviously I'm into women preaching, you know, you know cause, um, cause women can preach, you know what I'm, okay. thank you. I like the, the one sister. <laughs> thank you, Sarah. So, um, no, uh, and, and I always say this, you guys, when the message goes out, feel free to interact. We're all about, you know, shouting out an amen or that's good or mm-hmm. Or you know what? If it's so good, you can just lift up your hand, mm, you know, when words are not enough. Um, so if you're not used to that kind of environment, just get used to it because we're, we're a loud bunch, um, but it'll be really good. Uh, she's um, the executive pastor at New Philadelphia Church. Um, she serves at our Hillside campus. She's a, uh, you know what, she's ghetto. She's actually Korean native, but she's from Busan, and Busan people are gangster. All right, so I wish she can speak in that. Saturday. I always try to get her to speak Saturday. Um Anyway, but, but she's an incredible woman of God. And so let's just give a very warm welcome to Pastor myung All right, Emmaus, good to see you. I'm all about the interaction with you guys, so feel free to shout out, whatever, okay? It's really good to be here. Every semester, whenever I come to speak, I get so stirred. Like this morning, we were in prayer uh, at a prayer meeting together with the staff, and uh, I was just receiving this word for Emmaus, you know, and I just really felt like, wow, God has something in store for you guys. And you guys are so, 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 so special to his heart. That he's not going to let you miss out on this opportunity. Amen. So if you are here, you are called to be here. I want you to believe it before I even begin. So can I just pray for you guys real quick? Father, we thank you so much that you love these students so much. God, you called each and every single one of them to this room to encounter them. Father, I thank you that there's freedom in this room. And Father, I thank you that there's healing in this room. Father, I thank you that there's presence in this room. And God, we just declare that your word will be declared over all lives, God, and lives going to be transformed. And testimonies are going to be just, just blow up. They're going to blow up. So Father, we just thank you for this special night. In Jesus' name we pray. So funny. Like when I walked in, when we started start worshiping, First song that we sang was called So Good To Me. Second song was called Taste and See. It's pretty much talking about the goodness of God, right? And the verse that I put on my sermon note, Psalm 34, verse 8. Do you guys know what it is? Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Come on, somebody. Tell me that it's, it's you know, it's the Lord. You know, everyone... Oh, wow, Jason, I love, <laughs> I love you. Everyone likes good things. You say amen to that? Everyone loves good things. Good food, you guys like good food? Come on. You guys like good weather? 
Like whether these days is amazing, good clothes, good quality clothes, like Banana Republic. I love those stuff. You guys like good looking people? Don't you dare lie to me. I know you all do. Good looking people. You like good voice, like our David, you know, David worship leader. Good voice, people with good voice. Say amen to that. <laughs> you know, people love anything good. Everyone desires some kind of goodness. And it's God's design that he created us. That The Bible says in Genesis that he made us good. He made us long for and desire goodness as well. The reason is the essence of God's being is goodness. He put the secret inside of us that we desire something. We long for the goodness because the essence of God's character is his good. When, when you're introducing something that you genuinely believe that is so good, like, for example, man, what kind of example can I use? What's, like, the favorite, most famous restaurant around Yon's area? Like, the place. Those tacos? <laughs> Come on, girl. <laughs> Those tacos is everywhere. In-N-Out? Oh, yeah, let's say In-N-Out. All right. A lot of you guys from the West, I've, I've tried In-N-Out last, a couple months ago when I was in Kelly. Does anybody know about the goodness of In-N-Out? Like half of the room, all right? The cool kids know about it, all right? So in and out actually, when I tasted it, it was a little disappointing, but it's all good. Just going to use it. Yeah, overrated, yeah. But uh, I'm still going to use it as an example, right? Let's say in and out is so good, all right? When you are so confident about something's goodness, when you introduce it to other people, you don't hesitate. You just got to go try it, and you can thank me later. Like, you don't... In, like, they use this kind of ingredients. They serve you this way, that way. You don't do that. Just go try. It's so good. It's so good. That's it. Just go try. Don't you guys do that? Like, there's actually a really good fish place near Yonsei. Yeah, the, the fish guy, right? That place is so good. I have no reservation in introducing with confidence. Yo, that place is so good. Just go try. You're not going to regret. And you can thank me later. Kind of thing. But when it comes down to... The goodness of God. How many of you have that kind of confidence in his goodness? Yo, God is so good. Just come out to Emmaus. And you can thank me later. You will want to pay at the door on your way out. But you don't have to pay. That kind of confidence. Do you guys have that kind of confidence in the goodness of the Lord? When you're introducing the Kairos retreat to other friends, yo, just come. Just come. It's so good. It's going to transform you. How many of you kind of get timid about introducing it to other people? Yo, just come check him out. He could be a little good, you know? You never know. Kind of check him out, you know? That kind of attitude, you know? That just shows that our confidence in God's goodness is sometimes kind of, it's not there. You have more faith in in and out than in goodness of God. I have more faith in the fish place than in God. Think about that. How sad is that? And that the Bible says that he is good. It says, taste and see that he is good. It doesn't say taste and see if he is good. You guys got that? Little grammar thing going on here, you know? <laughs> taste and see that he is good. It already gave us the conclusion. The answer is given. 
It's not telling you to test him out to see if he's good or not. It's just telling you, hey, conclusion is he is good. You just got to come and taste him. If you even, even think about your favorite food, favorite restaurant, like, let's say that you're really feeling, like, weak and you're feeling kind of sick. You know, when your nose is kind of, like, stuffy, you can't really taste the good food, right? So even if you go to the favorite restaurant of yours, you taste the same food, it's the same good food, but it's going to taste less, right? It's not going to taste as good as usual. Or if you just ruined your appetite with, like, eating a sneakers bar, You go eat your favorite food, it's the same old good fried chicken or whatever you like, but it's going to taste completely different because you just ruined your appetite. You just get me? Goodness of God is always the same, but it's you that failed tasting his goodness. He is good. Turn to your neighbor and tell them he is good. Come on. I had my journey of questioning God's goodness myself. I had so many questions, actually, that it was my biggest struggle. God is good all the time. All the time. Yeah, you guys all know that, right? You go to Philippines, you go to Malaysia, you go to all over the world. Everyone, every Christian in this entire world knows that. God is good all the time. All the time. God is good. No offense. No offense. All right? To some Asians, you know, they kind of sound like this. And I love it. Everyone knows that phrase, you know, God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. They shout it out in all these places. But how much faith do they have in this statement? If you really think about your personal journey, personal life, all the time, like really. All the time, meaning all the time. Like really. You know, I was trying to reach my conclusion that he is good from all the different segments of my lifetime. My middle school, you know, I thought about how I got fired from my tutor job on Tuesday. I thought about how I got C plus on this subject last semester. I thought about, but this, this opa that I had a crush on, how he treated me out to dinner. That's a good part. That's really not good. This is good. This is not, that's not good. Like putting together all these things and trying to come up with my own theology or conclusion that he's good. Obviously, it was always shaky. Sometimes he was good. Sometimes he wasn't. Especially when you jump into deeper things. What I had to go through in middle school. Crazy Wangta stuff. Do you guys know what Wangta means? Like the loner. Like a, it's like a systematic like, ostracization on one kid that's like picked. Every classroom you visit in Korea, you're going to find the Wangta there. Like a loner that's ostracized, that does not mingle with other students. It's just systematic bullying that's going on in every classroom in Korea, pretty much. Like, no matter how young you go, like a kindergarten there, you will still find the wangta. The, it, the spirit of it has spread so far, like so wide that it's really sad when you really look into how bad it is. But I was like the prime example of wangta in my entire school. I went to a middle, girls' middle school. We had about 700 girls in Busan, the ghetto city of Busan. They're gangsters, like... They talk differently. They never talk nicely, all right? I, I'm not going to do any demo here, but it's pretty rough there. And all the girls turned their back against me. And pretty much overnight, all my five best friends started bullying me, uh, starting from the next day. It lasted for a year. None of the teachers cared. 
I was beat up, beat up. They would take away my money. They would curse me. They would just come bully me in front of all the students to the point where I was suicidal. I would hear demons every night screaming into my ears, go kill yourself, all kinds of stuff for about a year. Why did that happen, God? How can I find some goodness in the memory? Honestly speaking, Lord, I don't see anything good in that. Some serious conversations with the Lord. And my confidence in God's goodness was up and down, up and down, up and down. And whenever I would dig deeper into those things, it was up and down and up and down. But we cannot forget the fact that the Bible already gave us the conclusion. I wish I knew that earlier. Not everything that happens in this world is good. You guys agree? But God is good. The Bible doesn't say everything that happens around you is good. It says he is good. And everything that you had to go through, that you had to suffer through, they might not have been all good, like my experience was. But then the Bible says, promises that he will work everything for the good of those who love him. That's the promise. I want everyone to turn to Romans 8.28. We're going to read that verse. Romans 8.28. You guys are there. Say Emmaus. Cool. <laughs> All right, let's read it together. Romans 8.28. Oh, what kind of verses are you guys have, do you guys have? ESV? NIV? ESV? All right, ESV people, read it nice and loud. All right, one, two, three, go. All right, also, NIV people, let's read it one more time in NIV. One, two, three, go. Amen. The Bible promises that no matter how bad or terrible your experiences were, as you were growing up, what you're going through, the conclusion is he's going to work everything for the good of those who love him. That's talking about us. Those who are chosen by him, that's talking about us in this room. Simply put, Christians. Simply put, his children. Simply put, the saints. And my journey of getting to know God kind of had two different dimensions. And I'm sure a lot of you are, as you're entering into Emmaus ministry, are going through the two dimensions as well. The first one was dealing with my own sin, like things that I messed up in the past, things that I regret about, things that I certainly know that God was not pleased about, my actions, my words, me hurting other people, me being rebellious to my parents and all that. I had to really repent from it. And for that part, God was truly good because he forgave me from all those things. No confusion. I was like, I turn away, God. I repent. It's all good. God is so good. He forgave me. But then the different, the flip side of it was, what about all these sins that's done to me? What about all these things that people did, people said to me? Well, how do I solve that problem? Like, are they all saved? Are they all repenting? What about the damage that I had to receive? What about all the identities and lies that I have believed in for so many years because of all those girls? Because of what they told me, because of them telling me to kill myself, that I'm worthless, 
Like, what about all those things? What do I do about that? I lived in the victim mentality. I was a victim of the past. That person made me this way. That experience caused me this pain. And I'm stuck here, and I'm blaming everyone. This Wangta experience ruined my life. And I'm sure other people are thinking about, all you guys are thinking about what you had to go through as well. Some people went through real hard stuff. Some of you might be thinking, I didn't really go through that major stuff. But even growing up in anxiety, in a very unstable family, growing up with kind of having trouble with friends, you know, those things matter to God. Don't think that any hurt that you received is too light for God. You know, God doesn't take it that way. You know, some major things and minor things, it doesn't matter. Poverty, rejection, sexual abuse, in so many different ways, you, we, we, get to, we, we have to question, why God? Where is goodness in that? And this morning, as I was in prayer for tonight, I saw a vision. It's not anything fancy, but it's just God showing me what was going on in his heart. Like prophetic words, it's not anything that's like fancy, that I am some kind of prophet that knows God's heart, whatever. It's not like that. He just simply tells me and communicates through me. I'm just being a simple messenger, right? And this morning, as I was sitting and praying for you guys, I saw a simple vision of a, a, a man. Let's say the man was just Jensen, just to make the storytelling easier. Jensen was standing, you know, he was standing, a person was standing. And then I saw a thief coming in, sneaking into the room where he was standing. And then the thief, you know, John 10, 10, it says, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. It's talking about Satan, the enemy came in and then dark presence it wasn't really a person but i could sense that it was something bad right came in with a huge sword i'm not talking about those just cutting knives i'm talking about like a huge sword came in with that and stabbed him into his stomach sorry jensen <laughs> you didn't die right and i immediately saw that person, <laughs> I feel so bad for him. Yeah, <laughs> no, it, the story ends well. So Jen, I immediately saw Jensen going, oh, like that. And then he was trying to recover, trying to pull it out, but it didn't work. So he's crunching like this in pain, bleeding, and not being able to help his, himself. And he's just in pain standing like that, right? Next thing I know is a light comes into the room. A presence of light. I believe that was Jesus. Presence coming in, and next thing I know, his sword is out of his belly, he's got, and it's just lying on the floor, and Jensen is slowly standing up, and he's healed. And then there's nothing left in there, right? And he's like twisting his waist like this. And then he's like, wow. And I thought, wow, that's awesome. That's healing and deliverance. When enemy used the sword to hurt him, God's healing him and getting rid of the pain, right? Whoa, awesome. But then something wasn't right about it. He was like twisting his waist. And then he looked at the sword, turned away, and then started walking away from the sword, right? And I was like, oh, good. Healed and delivered. Sounds good. But something just didn't feel right. Next thing I know is Jensen turned around, looked at the sword again, and they started walking back to it. And he looks at it, picks it up, lifts it to the air, and he starts 
fighting it. Fighting the darkness, the dark presence that brought the knife, brought the sword into the room. He starts like fighting like a warrior, right? And immediately the phrase that popped in my head was this, victim to warriors. Victims to warriors, that's what God is speaking to each and every one of you. Let me explain further. So when he started fighting with the sword, and I really felt that every single person in this room, it's time to pick up that sword. Let me explain. I'm getting a lot of blank stares right now. But turn to your neighbor and tell them, pick up the sword. First Samuel chapter 17, it talks about King David. It's before he became a king. He's fighting Goliath. I'm sure if you grew up in church or not, this story is so famous. Goliath is like a Philistine, a giant. He was how tall was he? He was really tall. Seven? Nine? Eleven? I don't know. <laughs> he was really tall. He was a giant. And then David's a little boy, you know, the shepherd boy. And then he comes with his sling. And then his five pebbles. And he knocks, the, knocks Goliath out, right? You guys all know that story, right? And what really stood out, it just popped in my head. It wasn't even like I was reading the passage, but it passes as this. First Samuel 17, 50 to 51, it's after he threw that rock, and then Goliath seems dead on the ground. And then David, watch what David does, okay? Verse 50, so David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. Verse 51, it says, David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine sword and drew it out. And after he killed him, he cut off his head with that sword. I want you to get that. David, when he was fighting the enemy, he didn't have a sword. He fought, fought with the pebble, the, the rock, the slingshot, right? And then after he was dead on the ground, what David did was he got on that huge giant and then took the Philistine's knife, enemy's knife, killed, I mean not killed, chopped the head off of the enemy. This is the picture that I really feel like God is giving to each and every one of you. When God says he will turn everything for your good, he really meant it. Like when, when he said every curse, every evil, every trauma, he's going to turn it for those who love him. He really meant it. I want you to get this because the sword that came into the room, the sword that came into this battle scene, the enemy brought it in. You guys see? Like if you apply it to my story, my Wangta incident was brought in by the enemy. God didn't do that, all right? It was the enemy that brought it in, but then what, what happened to it? Like, I overcame, and I got healed. I mean, I got stabbed really hard. But then after I got healed and delivered, when I looked at it, my heart was burning with passion. For those who are suffering from the same thing. All these students in Korea, all these students in Japan, all these students that are struggling with rejection, my heart started burning for them. What I want to do, I want to pick up the sword the enemy had brought into my life to harm me, but he failed. Jesus had healed me, but am I going to walk away from that? Just feeling good enough that, oh, I'm healed. Now I look back on the memory and I feel fine. Is that it? No, when God said I will restore and use it, he meant that I will pick it up and I will kill that enemy. Chop that head off with the same 
sword that he brought in, he thought he was going to harm me, but I'm picking it back up. I'm using it against him. You guys see the picture? That's what God wants you to do. Don't just feel good about, oh, I'm healed from the memory. Now I can think about it. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. All right, now I'm healed enough that I can talk about it. That's not the whole picture. That's not the whole picture. I also struggled with um, eating disorder for six years of my life. I was bulimic severely. What it means is that I would eat and I would just throw up. Eat and throw up, eat and throw up to the point where I would repeat that five to ten times every single day. And you will see my hand. There was a huge scar on my hand because I would poke my throat so deep that my teeth would hurt my hand. And I was bleeding every single day. And I would always have to lie to people that, oh, I got burned. Or I would just have to cover it up, you know. I was deeply into that oppression and depression and I, all kinds of bad things about that. And I hated myself. Uh, my self-image, self-image was so low that I just didn't want to look at myself. Eating disorder, I mean, enemy had brought into my life to kill me, to destroy me, to steal away all the joy that I had, all the worth that I had. But then what happened now? You know what happens? When that true, true turning point happens... I don't just feel good about just being free from it. Okay, now I can eat my kimbap without feeling guilty. Now I can enjoy my burger without feeling guilty. That's not the end of the story. You know what happens? And usually anyone that comes in struggling with eating disorder, all our church members know about my uh, testimony, right? They bring them to me. You got to talk to Pastor Myanmar. Here's the girl struggling with bulimia. Here's the girl that's struggling with anorexia. All kinds of eating disorder people, they all come to me. You know why? Because I picked up the sword. And I know how to chop off that head. Because I overcame it and Jesus overcame. And I'm not only healed, I'm not just walking away from the memory, but I'm going back to kill him. And just put an end to that. I cannot allow the same pain on anyone else. You guys are called to do the same. Don't just be delivered. Go deliver other people. Don't just be healed and feel good about it. You can go and heal other people. And I was thinking, God, this is kind of a heavy message. Like all these college students, I don't know how many of them really dealt with their traumas, what they had, you know, had to go through, difficult stuff. God, don't I have to kind of take it step by step? You know, let them, you know, take their time to be healed and open up, you know, like. But God was like, no. Just tell them the purpose first. And that's going to quicken the process. You guys are too special that God's not going to waste any time on this. Don't just be delivered. Go deliver other people. That's what God is saying to you. Pick up the sword. Don't walk away from it. Pick up the sword. You are the key for so many that are hurting. Whatever you went through, it wasn't just for you. This verse, if you read it again, it says this. He's going to work everything for the good of those who love him. Do you guys think it's singular or plural? Plural. Those who love him. It's not just you. What Alex had to go through isn't just about him. What, what, okay, let me use another person. What Isaac had to go through isn't just about Isaac, him, all right? He went through it. I don't know what you went through. <laughs> but you look like you went through some stuff, all right? <laughs> Whatever you went through... Come on, whatever you went through, it's not just for your good. So many people think God's going to turn it around for my good, for my good. 
He's going to heal me. It's because he's going to use it in my testimony. But that's not it. For those who love him, that means the whole church will be influenced by your story. It means that you can influence the people around you, your classmates, your tutor kids, whoever tutor kids' parents. I don't know who they are. But God's going to use it to impact all those people. It's not just about you. So much bigger than that. You might be thinking, but this attack was against me. Oh, yeah, the attack was against David. The sword came against David, but then when he picked it up and chopped up the head, what happened? It was victory for the whole nation of Israel. You guys see that? When you pick it up, it's a victory for the whole kingdom. Every Christian that you know, they get to enjoy, jump into the victory together. When you, only if you can pick up the sword again. Look at the bigger picture. Turn to your neighbor. Tell them again. Pick up the sword. Pick it up. (laughs) And this is really key, a point, for you to really come out of any memory that you had to go through. I'm not trying to talk lightly about it. I do not know what kind of pain you have to go through as as a child, as a teenager. I do not know. I'm not trying to um, make it any less than how it was. I know it hurts. Pain is real. It's real. Okay? So don't think like I'm trying to like manipulate you to be healed right away. Okay? So please take my heart for that part. But this is a very key point that I need everyone to understand. You are not a victim. You know why? Nothing was done to you. Like, no one can do anything to you. A lot of times, like, in Korean words, it's, like, so perfect. Like, ogure. I feel so ogure. That means, like, something, in, something unjust was done to me, and I feel so... It's an emotion that you feel, pretty much. When something that you didn't deserve, when something that was not just, when that's done to you, that's how you feel. That's, like, the oguram feeling. There's no word in English, right? Not fair? It just doesn't quite do it. Injustice. That, mm, yeah, that, that feeling. Oh, like, oh, something's not right. I didn't deserve it. It shouldn't have happened to me kind of feeling, right? But we got to understand this. When you look at the bigger picture that I just explained, how you have authority to pick up the sword and win the victory, of all the, not over your own life, but over the whole kingdom, like, nothing happened to you. Things were ordained for you. You were chosen for that battle. You were chosen for the season of suffering so that at the end, with authority and power, you will pick it up again and then finish the battle. You were chosen for that. Like, the really good story that I could use for this is Genesis Oh, not Pastor Joseph. I was praying for Pastor Joseph. I said Pastor Joseph. Story of Joseph, right? He was not a pastor. In Genesis, the biblical character Joseph went through so much. His siblings sold him into slavery. Any of you experienced that? That kind of rejection? Your siblings sold you into slavery, into a foreign country? Like human trafficking. It's happening. 
all around the world, Cambodia, Thailand, parents are selling their own children into slavery, sex industry. You know, that's not a foreign thing. It's actually happening. People go through that kind of trauma. But in Genesis, Joseph was sold, and then he was sent to prison. He had to go through so much, 17 years of suffering that was not just. He did not deserve that. You know, he was a little, like, you know, arrogant, you know, in his, in his like, you know, speech to his brothers and whatnot. But... The punishment, punishment was way too harsh for him, right? He went through all these, and at the last chapter of Genesis, Genesis 50, he says this, verse 20. He's talking to his brothers after they reunited. He says this, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. I don't know if you guys got that. For the saving of many lives, I was chosen for their suffering. And now I see that God intended it for my good and for many. Another example, the greatest example ever, a story of Jesus. So many of us, we see Jesus as a little wimp, like weak dude that was hung on cross Helpless. That's not the picture of Jesus, guys. Cross was not done to him. You guys know that he picked it up himself. He picked it up with authority and power. Nobody was able to put the cross upon him. He's son of God. Think about that. When he said, I am who I am, all the soldiers fell off. He had that kind of authority and power. With one word, no one in this world is able to hang him on the cross. He chose to go up there. He, it wasn't a passive act of to surrender. It was a powerful act of authority. And in the Bible, he actually says, John 10, 17, he, he tells the, the father, um, he says, he, eh, this is the reason why my father loves me, is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. He says, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay down and authority to take it up again. Crucifixion, like you think, it wasn't done to him. Jesus wasn't the victim. Not, no one could do anything to him. He was ordained for the suffering. And the, when, the orda- when the ordained suffering was over, you see the picture, how it was flipped around. It was the greatest victory of the, all history of mankind. Greatest suffering, but Jesus knew, I choose this. And I go through it because I know at the end, my father will turn it for the good of many. Many, talk about many, all of us, entire Christians of generations, for many, talk about that. Jesus had that understanding. That's why when his own father was trying to kill him on the cross, Jesus never said, Dad, why are you trying to kill me? Like he understood, no, this is good. This is good. I am chosen for this. At the end, I will take it up again. I'm going to kill the enemy off. And that's exactly what he did. Satan is done. He has no authority, no power. Death has no grip over us. Sin cannot do anything to us. Why? Because of that suffering. 
think about your own lives. You have the same authority as a child of God to pick it up again. When you are thinking, I'm the victim of my father's abusiveness. I'm a victim of my family's poverty. I'm a victim of whatever, whatever, this and that. My friends abandoning, all that. It hurts, I know. But the suffering was ordained for you so that you will save many. You will pick up the sword again. You will fight for the kingdom. You guys have the spirit of David. Get up and chop that head off. That is your calling. It's bigger than yourself. Bigger than yourself. And when you have that understanding, healing isn't really a big deal. Like when Joseph, think about what kind of inner healing that Joseph had to go through. Can you imagine? Like you're not reunited all these with brothers. And now like you got to eat with them. You got to live with them. You know, what kind of hurts and feelings, you know? But because Joseph understood, I was ordained for this. He tells his brothers, do not be sorry. Do not bow down to me, my brothers, younger. Like, brothers, it's okay. God did this, not you. The healing was so quick. When you have the understanding that it's not just all about me, my wounds, my hurts, when you know that, oh, I was chosen for this battle, and at the end, it's victory anyways, healing comes with quickness. Isaiah 40, uh, 54, 17, it says this, no weapon formed against you will prosper. It says weapons will be formed against you. Don't like this verse too much. <laughs> it says the weapon, no weapon formed against you, which means weapons will be formed against you. The enemy hates you. You guys know that? Because you have an amazing, glorious future ahead of you, especially college students. You guys understand how much attack you are under? Like all these thoughts that you get, all these temptations that you get, you think it's just you being so evil? Well, like... Come on, like all these students in Korea, they're under so much oppression. And all together, you guys are in a battle. That's why college ministry, when you guys get together, it's so important to pray together and to have each other in this journey, okay? Weapons will be formed against you. Let me warn you that. But it says no weapon formed against you will prosper. It will come in with one purpose, to harm you, to kill you, to destroy you. But then when you pick up the sword again, uh uh-uh, it's not going to prosper the way it was intended. Now you're going to use it against the same enemy that brought it into your life. And you're going to chop off the head of it, right? No weapon formed against you will ever prosper. That's the promise for you. And you got to stand up and say, enemy, you, you can form a weapon against me. Go ahead. Like, that's like my attitude right now. All right, form one. Because I'm going to get it later anyways, you know. It's going to end up in my hand. So form one. Go ahead. Do it. It's like a North Korea, like, making some kind of, like, a nuclear weapon. Ends up, think, imagine, like, it ends up being in the hands of, like, Americans. Dude, what's going to happen then? <laughs> North Korea is like, oh, shoot. Like, <laughs> I should have never made it, right? It's kind of, that kind of situation. Enemy will form an attack against you that is huge. Maybe a little overwhelming. But then, you can understand, it's going to, at the end, end up in your hands. And you're going to throw it at the enemy. And that's going to set generations free. That's going to set your classmates free. 
that's going to set so many people around you free from the same struggle, same issues. You will be the ones. One of the ways to really uh, exercise, picking up the knife thing, picking up the soy thing, one of the easy ways to do it is sharing your testimony. Like so many people, they get healed and delivered and they go, oh, okay, now I can finally leave, I can breathe. But then they keep it hidden because they're still ashamed. You know, but you got to speak it out. Like, I used to struggle with this, but I don't anymore. So do you need any prayer? Do you know someone that has a similar struggle? And you do the same thing that I do. Hey, you have eating disorder? Let me pray for you right now. You're going to be set free. Yo, you have a smoking problem? <laughs> you, you struggle with like, whatever, this and that? Let me pray for you. I went through the same thing. And victory is in Jesus' hand. Let me cut that off of your life. Let me prophesy right now, all of you in this room, you will be doing the same thing. Bring those people to me. Let me set them free. Some of you guys are really, really getting it. And I want you to take that in. It's bigger than yourself. We're going to take some time to just pray together. And I'm just going to give you guys opportunity to respond to this word. I just want you to think about the things that you are struggling with. Like when you think about goodness of God, like, oh, I can't really find goodness in this memory of mine. When I was seven, I can't really find goodness in what happened then. That abuse, the rape. My father's business, you know, not doing well. Poverty, whatever you had to go through. I kind of want you guys to revisit that. And I want you guys to see, look at it from a different perspective. And how it is so much bigger than yourself. And before you get swamped in the emotions, I want, you, I want to remind you guys of Jesus. He was not a victim. He was chosen for that. Greatest victory ever. And in your life, the same kind of victory, is, it's, it's there. It's a matter of looking at it from a different perspective. I want you to look at it. Just think about that. God, I don't really see your goodness in it. But there is the promise. I will work everything for the good of those who love me. Not just me, but everyone that loves you. That means my community, my church, the whole Emmaus. So much bigger than that. 